Welcome to The Social Brew, the one and only podcast dedicated to diving deep into the world of great social media management, content, and storytelling with just a little shot of caffeine along the way. I'm your host, Luke Williams, and please do sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, today we've got an extraordinary guest joining us here on The Social Brew. Having worked in the sports industry for the better part of the past decade, this man has managed social media accounts for some of Australia's biggest sporting brands. And every summer, he rubs shoulders with some of the biggest names in cricket, including sporting icon Ricky Ponting. And while we are on the topic of Ricky's, I will introduce today's guest. Ricky Mangides, welcome to The Social Brew. How are you going? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Social podcast. Making moves. We've made our moves early, as you've just suggested, and uh, and landed landed a very very important person in the sporting social <laughs> landscape. And um, I guess to kick off, before we get too deep into your story, I've got a couple of questions that we will generally run through uh, with all of our guests. And the first one is, uh, what is your go to coffee? Oh, I think this is where the podcast is going to end because you're going to kick me off because I'm the worst Greek person ever and I don't drink coffee. So um, I'll just hang up, and this will be the end of the podcast. I am ready to give you a backhander. You must drink something. How do you how do you keep going? I drink way too much soft drink. That's that's my that's the thing I need to cut out. But coffee, uh, no, for some some un- unknown reason, it just has never clicked. Tell me you like a cup of tea at least. I haven't, had, I haven't had tea in a long time. I used to have tea a lot, but I haven't had tea in a, in a long time. But I have had more tea than coffee, so that is that is my drinking habits. It's just basically soft drink water, and that's about it, really. Oh, good. All right. Well, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop forcing your hand there. Um, and for the people listening who might be a little bit more interested in what you do for a living, uh, what is your job? So I work in digital and social media. Um, currently at Channel Seven, uh, Channel Seven Cricket. Um, I, I believe. I mean, I couldn't actually tell you my proper title, but I believe it's digital producer. And yeah, just basically responsible for the Seven Cricket social accounts at the moment. Um, that's my main protocol. Uh, dip in dip in sort of here and there with um, filling in as a backup to AFL and then for major events like Olympics and Paralympics, they've just gone. But um, yeah, seven cricket socials is the main, is the main hustle at the moment. Amazing. Sounds like a a pretty sweet gig and I guess a pretty open-ended question um, just to finish off with these quick fire ones. Do you have a a favorite piece of content that you've created in in, across your whole career um, that comes to mind? Uh, from a social point of view, it probably goes back to when I was at North Melbourne. I assume we'll get, obviously we get into the North Melbourne part of things a bit later. So it was late 2014. So North had to beat Adelaide to keep a bunch of other sides finals hopes alive. I think it was Richmond, Gold Coast, Collingwood, West Coast. So it's one of those late season things where it's fun, where other teams are barracking for you and all that sort of stuff. And it's a thing you can kind of have a lot of fun with on social. So, um, the, day before the match basically I made all these little cue cards for socials um and basically like, these are this is why you know Tigers fans should support North tomorrow and just completely took the piss with it um I I don't think you'd act, could actually get away with it today in 2021 because it would be the sort of thing that leads to all these over-the-top articles of North Melbourne slams you know whatever and and people be like that's not in good taste but like so like these cue cards for each team so like the Collingwood one the last line was literally Nathan Buckley could be a two-time premiership player if he went to North Melbourne. Like, <laughs> and then the Gold Coast one, the last line was like, you only exist thanks to us. <laughs> and it's like, you can't, can't say it. Probably could say that now. 
that was a, that was a lot of fun. And then thankfully, after all that, North actually won the next day. So, <laughs> but um, that's from a social point of view. That's that's definitely the favourite, just because it was a good time of fun and something a little bit different and a, a bit tongue in cheek. Very cheeky, very cheeky. And that is one thing that I will ask sooner is around how you are, how you have managed to bring um, certain tones of voices to life on social. But before we get too deep down there, I, I better ask where where did your journey with social media start and was it something that, you know, you'd always had your sights set on? Um, I mean, not really, to be honest. I mean, I always, always spent a lot of time on social media, you know, going back to MySpace. Um, I'm aging myself. But, um, like, yeah, MySpace and then early days Facebook and then and then Twitter. I just spent a lot of time in it. I knew I wanted to do something in sport, like what that was going to be. Couldn't, wouldn't have, didn't have any much of an idea, to be honest, but just want to do something with sport and then, and then basically it just happened like right place, right time to get into sport, social media a long time ago now. And I feel very old all of a sudden, but, um, <laughs> and, then, and then it just went from there really. Yeah. And what was your first gig in the industry? Was, was that at North Melbourne football club? Yeah, it was. Yeah. First gig in the industry, a first full-time gig in the industry. Um, that's, so that was started, I started North started 2012. Um, so again, like that was just like right place, right time. Um, so like late, 2011 i was just writing north stuff yeah, on my own blog on the side and just by, by complete coincidence in december 2011 it happened to be the um anniversary of north refusing to move to the gold coast and i thought oh hey it's you know middle of december there's not a lot going on not working a lot elsewhere and you know target part-time shifts in, in the christmas rush and i thought i'd just do a series of posts kind of recounting that lead up into North saying no to the Gold Coast. And it basically just went through sort of articles at the time and, and big footy and message boards and just did like a four part series, basically just recounting it. And it went, it went quite well actually for a 2011 blog. <laughs> and I've been posting it on big footy and, and one of the people on there says, Hey, this is really good. You should email it to the club. And I'm like, sure. Like who do I email it to? And he's like, Oh, I'll pass the details. And, so he passed me Heifo Lachlan's details, who was the GM of media. So I just emailed to him. And I'm like, oh, sure, why not? And unbeknownst to me, I completely missed, um, they had just finished doing a round of interviews for a digital media coordinator. And as the story goes, um, they weren't completely enamored with the people they'd interviewed. And then I, my email dropped in, in Heath's inbox and he um, talked to Rob Burton, who's the the digital lead and basically decided, Hey, come in the next day for an interview. So assuming I can remember my days, right. I emailed them on Wednesday. They said, come in on Thursday for an interview. Came in on Thursday. They called me back on Friday and said, Hey, come in on Monday for a second interview. Came in on Monday for a second interview and they offered me the job Monday afternoon. So in the space of five days, I went from, I should email this to the club to, Hey, I work at North Melbourne and I've been a North Melbourne nuffy since, you know, since I was five, six years old. So it's amazing how quickly things can happen and how right place, right time can change people's lives really. And then, and then it all went from there. What a process. And I, th yeah. <laughs> I think, I think a lot can be learned from that too. I think a lot of people feel like, you know, traditional way to get a job is to, you know, get through uni and then apply and, you know, whatever else, but ultimately, you know, doing a little bit of work for free at the start or showing what you can do through your own platforms is is a great way to go about it and proof in the pudding there you kind of almost a decade ago doing that and and look where you've got to now so no i was, yeah, I was gonna say like it's obviously not for everyone like i mean i kind of like 
sometimes like starting out, people be like, you know, I've worked so hard to get through uni. And I kind of felt a little bit guilty being like, yeah, I didn't go to uni. Um, I kind of just lucked in. And then once you're in, as long as you obviously do a decent job, you you can find enough avenues to go to. It's like, oh, I actually want to do this. I want to do that. And if you're good enough at your job, you can stick. But yeah, so I was just, you know, one size fits all approach. And I was just extremely lucky, extremely lucky that, that this one worked for me. I mean, who knows where I'd be if I didn't email email Heath thanks to one of the guys on Big Footy. So yeah, sliding doors, some might say. Absolutely, absolutely perfect analogy. And at that particular time, were you employed? Were you working casually elsewhere or were you just, you know, waiting for an opportunity to arise? Yeah, well, I was, um, so I was just doing my own little blog on the side for, you know, just for, for no dollars for nothing. I was working, I guess, casual at Target. Um, yeah, in the, in the menswear and shoes uh, areas for those who must know, and then also doing some sports coaching on the side with um, Melbourne Sports Institute. So I was considering that was summer at the moment. I was at that time I was uh, coaching Camberwell Grammar, their seconds, their year eleven and twelve seconds. So yeah, a mishmash of things. And then once I got the North job, I'm like, see you later, Target. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your summer, guys, on the cricket field. I am going to North Melbourne. So. <laughs> Who knows where those guys are now, but if, if any of you are listening, hello. <laughs> hello, and uh, a very good plug for Target. They'll be happy with that. <laughs> Not sponsored, of course. And I imagine when you kind of walked into the walls of North Melbourne and, and started working um, in the digital and social space, it it's quite different to, to what it is now. So what were the platforms you were working with back then and, and what are some of the things that have probably changed quite significantly over the last decade? I mean, I mean, I was only 21 when I started at North. So, um, I mean, I was, I was so green. I, was, I mean, like, yeah, like I, when I worked, I had full-time straight to Target, but this is like my first proper full-time job and you're working and you're walking straight into AFL club and being like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, and at that time it was just Facebook and Twitter and obviously Twitter was still pretty young and Facebook was a bit older, but not much. I think Instagram came about halfway through 2012. So to start off, it was just Facebook as well. And it's just, and it was very much a throw things at the wall, see what sticks. Um, obviously the audience is much smaller and it wasn't as, you know, like you, you, you do something now and then all of a sudden you get sort of 10 articles and can't believe what they did. There wasn't, it was very much a experimentation and basically just threw things at the wall. Like, you know, if you space your posts out, do you get, you know, do you get better thing results if you post at night? Do you get better results if you post at the morning? Like, if you go back and forth with people, what happens? And and then sort of over time, as as a whole media team, we just figured out, okay, that works, that doesn't, that works. And then sort of, well, I, well basically the time North had a winning streak in the second half of 2012, that's when we sort of everything crystallized. It's like, okay, well, this is this is the route we go down. Um, it was all kind of figuring out that process. Um, and that first six months, I learned so much that, I still refer back to today um, in terms of processes and working through and foundations and working with people and, and working things out. Yeah, it's amazing how, how, how much you learn early really sticks with you. I'm keen to know as someone who has never worked, I guess, for an elite sporting team, what do, what do fans want from a, from a social media account of a club when, when that club might not be performing or, you know, holding the standards that, that are expected? Well, I mean, I, I can't quote them verbatim because then you have to put an explicit tag on the podcast so we can't have that obviously <laughs> um, 
for the main part is at the places I've worked at, the clubs I've worked at, it's to be basically be normal and not go over the top at all and not act like everything is okay. Just it's basically, I mean, if I can sum it up in a sentence is to act like a balanced fan when things are going badly. Cause like, say if you're say second half of 2016 at North Melbourne, so we started 10 and one and then won two of the last 11, I think, and limped into finals at 12 and 10, like that second half of the year, like everything wasn't okay. So if we come out all cheery and like things are amazing and, you know, laughing and joking and stuff. So you just got to scale it back a little bit and be a little bit more matter of fact. And you might lean more into your training footage and showing the players working hard. Whereas that, whereas the first half of the year, cause you're flying and everyone's up and about, you've got more, you've got more room to muck around with things and basically show them having their laughs and show them and show them mucking around. You post the same, you can post the same footage in sort of April of that year compared to August and you get like 180 degree different reactions. So it's just, a, yeah, it's just a matter of knowing your fan base really, which I think is where it helps when you have at least a couple of fans of the club working somewhere around the media team or at least with a, a line to the media team so they can, so you can get a good gauge of, of where things are at really. And when the shoe's on the other foot, what seems to perform well when I guess the club's winning and flying. Were you there in that year that North reached the prelim or was, was that post yeah. your time there? No, that was yeah, 2014 and 2015. Yeah. That's, I mean, it might sound a little you know, silly, but you almost have like a free reign to post whatever you want within reason, obviously, because for like, like when your team's winning, you're like, this is great. Like an extreme example is Melbourne right now after winning the flag, like, they'd be able to post whatever they wanted and, and all of these fans like, yep, this is great. Yep, we're on the flag. We're, we're premiers. Just anything, really. And then you, you see it in your numbers. You see it in engagement, in new followers, likes on posts, retweets on posts. They just go through the roof because you can't really do anything wrong as long as, you know, yeah, you still have the base level of respect. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And I suspect there's probably that element of, um, I guess, what would you call them, like fringe fans that that jump on the bandwagon when the club is successful, which which would be really nice for engagement. So, yeah, no, that's a good shout. And I just want to switch gears a little bit away from football and and speak a little bit about what you're doing at the moment at Channel 7. And I guess for people that don't know you, how how would you describe what you do on a day-to-day basis? That is a really good question. (laughs) It's a really good question. Um, because seven's a little bit of a different setup to um, to other places I've worked. So it's obviously, it's a lot of it is based around broadcast and a lot more of it with Channel 7 is based around making look broadcast look as good as you possibly can. Um, whereas, say, when you're working at Teams, it's just more about like content and showing you behind the scenes and that sort of stuff. Whereas with Channel 7, like obviously we're WBBL, we're going to put a lot of focus on that. So like I'll post about the midweek games and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's unique in a way. Cause like, say we don't necessarily have a lot of video rights um, in terms of what we're allowed to post. So you kind of have to be a little bit, sort of try to get a bit creative and graphics and all that sort of stuff. It's, yeah, it's actually, it's actually really interesting because I, before starting at seven, I thought, Hey, you're working at channel seven on, Cricket's going to be great. Like, and it is great. Like, like, don't get me wrong, but all like the restrictions around rights and things, it actually makes you be 
creative in a way that I never actually thought I'd tap into. For example, like say, if we use the first day of the Brisbane test coming up, like we'll be working from the studio. And so my role will be, how do I make everyone in broadcast look like a million bucks while not compromising the social accounts integrity and still telling people what's going on? Because again, with tests, like we're only an Australian feed. We're not the world feed. We're at, so most of our, I think about 45% of our Twitter followers from overseas, about 40% Instagram and about the same on Facebook. So it's like, well, how much are you, how much are you catering to them when they can't see your broadcast? So then, yeah. And then it's all about, so for example, you got you know, Alison Mitchell and Ricky Ponting and Copes on the touchscreen and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then basically just how, how do I make these guys look good? Um, and how do I still get good content at the same time? So yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of different things to balance. And so far, I think it's gone, gone pretty well. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, and you mentioned there that I guess a, a lot of your job is built around the broadcast and I, I'm making the assumption that your main KPI as well is to make sure that, you know, people that are seeing seven cricket content on social are, are then in turn converting to, you know, switching on channel seven on the couch when the cricket's on. So how, how do you go about, I guess, getting a little bit more nitty gritty? Like what are some of the tactics that you might use to, to get people to, to make seven their, their, I guess, channel of choice to watch the cricket? What? Well, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, cause a lot of, I feel like a lot of the hardcore cricket fans on social if you're a hardcore cricket fan, you've got a Foxtel or a KF subscription. So their default would probably be, okay, well, I'm going I'm going to Fox. So that's another part where I'd, I'll lean on the on the commentators, um, on the talent and being and highlighting what they're doing on the coverage. So say if Copes has a – I mean, all the touchscreen segments are really good, but if he has a – when, when he has a touchscreen segment, I'll, I'll make sure I post that and be like, because that's our point of difference compared to um, Fox or or even the Cricket Australia channels because um, that's that's something we have and they don't. So it's just about all about finding those little points of difference. So like if I'm around, I might go downstairs to the green room, grab Daniel Fleming and I'll be like, what do you think of the last half an hour? And I'll get him talking down the barrel for you know 20 seconds, put it on Instagram stories. Um, cause obviously we don't have, we don't have streaming rights as well. So that is a KO exclusive. So it's all about getting people to TV, which is obviously a little bit against trends with the way things are going. But so again, we've got to get creative really, um, which is where building relationships with the talent works. And as long as they know that I'm not going to try and stitch them up, but it's all about making them look as good as possible and just building that trust. And I'd hope three and a half seasons in that I've got there <laughs> and yeah, and and I think for the most part, it tends to work. I mean, once you take out the normal social media trolls that you get, the coverage, the reception to our coverage from broadcast and social point of view is generally pretty good. They're probably famous last words, but for the moment, it's it's pretty good. Speaking of all those experiences, I guess, in the studio with these incredible commentators, you know, the likes of Ricky Ponning and Damien Fleming, not to mention Alison and, and, you know, the the massive team there. I was going to ask if you've ever had a pinch yourself moment, you know, in your career. Would would that be one of those where you're you're just roaming around with your phone, you know, getting them to say what you want, or or is there another moment that comes to mind when you when you think of when you think of pinch yourself moments? I mean, it's, yeah, it is probably all that. I mean, like 
I know I said before I'm a I was a North Nuffy, Emma North Nuffy, but I mean it's the same with cricket in general. Like you know, there's stories of me growing up. Like my family will always say, "Oh yeah, he's sh- shadow bowling down the hallway and he's shadow batting down the hallway." Growing up, like all that sort of stuff. So like every day I'm in in there doing a game or at the ground or whatever. It's like okay, here's like Ricky Ponting who knows my name and get on with him. I'd like to think I get on with him relatively well. Um, either that or he just humors me enough to make to make me think that. <laughs> um, same with like you know, with Flem, with um, obviously James Brayshaw, with the North Connection, the whole crew really. It's like hey, these guys they've all you know played for Australia and I've grew up watching them and and we sort of get on well and on a you know person to person basis. Um, so it's, it's it's pretty much every day <laughs> to be honest, without sounding like too much of a fanboy. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, you kind of realize like, Hey, this is a really good spot to be. And then you, you got to do the work to back it up. Yeah. That's what you're trying to do. Absolutely. And over, I guess the three years you've been there, have you found that each year it gets a little better because the relationships are, are stronger and more genuine and, and it becomes a little bit easier, you know, that they've got the trust in you, you know, they know, they know what you're trying to achieve and, and that you're going to look after them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, not, not that the first summer was hard by any means. It was still great. But I mean, if you, I mean, I always try and as much as I can put myself in the commentary team's shoes. Like, if, like the first summer, if they saw me coming up to them and asking for, you know, ABC, they'd be like, well, who's this guy? Like, I've never, I've never seen him before. Like, I have a profile. You know, he doesn't. Like, if I say something, if he gets me to do something silly, like, he's not going to be the one that cops it. I'll be the one that cops it, you know? So um, I guess, again, it goes back to wanting to make broadcasts look as good as possible. It's basically thinking of their profiles and what's going to put them in the best light. And I don't want to ask them a loaded question where even though I'm asking it with the right intentions, they answer it honestly and then all of a sudden they put it on social and then you get some, you know, fourth-rate person who spins it around to being like, you know, Alison Mitchell bashes, you know, ABC and then you've got a two-day news cycle. So it's always the funny part is you almost when you're planning out content, think of this is basically one of the lessons I've learned is look at something like if I was this person's worst enemy and I was trying to spin this, like how could I try to ruin it? Um, so that's always in the back of my hand. mind, as negative as it sounds, it actually seems to work pretty well. Um, then you go from there and, and um, yeah, now that things are hopefully getting back close to normal, we can travel from ground to ground and, and have some fun. Sounds like a, a pretty robust thought process to be honest i believe that you correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that you set up the og seven cricket accounts and have built them from scratch yourself is that right and if so how did you go about it um well i wouldn't say i didn't physically set them up from scratch but i came on really early like probably within would have been within two months of the announcement um like well before like i think it was about two to three months before the first match we televised so it wasn't technically on from day one but it was like more more or less effectively speaking so um in terms of like a ground level plan it's basically looking around like okay well what resources do we have at our disposal how can we be different from the other main players in this space while still being something that i'd be good at (laughs) yeah um like a lot of people like we see a lot of accounts do like basically like high level memes and like i could do that but not very well so it's kind of like leaning into your skill set and leaning into your resources so for example we don't have that many video rights 
um, when it comes to match vision. We don't necessarily have a lot of, I guess, new like newsroom experience. So it's kind of social only. So you got social only, not a whole lot of match vision. And then so you're like, okay, well, how do I, how do I use these resources to be good, more or less? Um, and then so basically, just lean lean on a lot of graphics, more or less. If anyone that goes through, like, say, Seven Cricket Instagram and and Seven Cricket Twitter, it's um, it's a lot of graphic stuff. Um, and that's kind of been the way we try to try to stand out with a lot of support, obviously, from um, Paul, who was my boss before he recently left, and and all the broadcast team as well, um, who have been awesome. I mean, like, that broadcast has no, they don't necessarily have to work hand to hand with digital. They don't want to. Like, it's you know, they're, they're two different things, but. Broadcast is great. Um, and then just basically work from there and just build and build and build. And like to think now when people look at it, you see a see a pretty consistent style that's hopefully is a little bit different to what other places provide. Not that not that we're better or worse by any means, but just a little bit different. You touched on, I guess, pulling through a brand there. Like how how do you personally go about yeah, pulling pulling a brand not only via tone of voice but also, you know, visually through a social account visually was hard because i am not a natural graphic designer by any means <laughs> i'm a long way away so i'm not sponsored but shout out to canva because i don't know where i would be without canva uh probably probably not have a job to be honest yes yeah, so a, a lot of canva templates um and basically i guess it goes back to what i was saying before in terms of like leaning on your skill set like when i'm watching cricket and cricket's such a numbers-based game it tends to be the way my mind works just like clicking on to sort of, okay, this guy's made a century. You know, this guy's got a record for whatever. Or, you know, this guy's taken, you know, three for 10 in his T20 spell, that sort of stuff. And sort of the, I guess it goes back to kind of that early North experience in terms of throwing things at the wall. Like I started throwing that at the wall early month seven cricket and being like, okay, well, this works and people respond to it. So keep doing it. Um, and then to try to evolve it as much as you can and try to, stretch my very limited graphic design skills as far as I can to make sure it's not the same thing three and a half years running. And then, yeah, then, then you just go from there really. Um, and then hope people keep an eye on how people are reacting to things and obviously you're making sure you're staying with the trends and whatnot. And yeah, then you go from there. Yeah. Awesome. And switching gears away from cricket, I believe you also had the, the chance to cover the Olympics with channel seven earlier this year, which obviously captivated everyone here in Australia, including myself. It was it was bloody phenomenal. So how was that experience producing content for the national broadcaster? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Because um, cricket is ten, tends to... Well, seven cricket's mainly, from a social point of view, mainly me. And with the Olympics, got a chance to lead the night team. So we basically... So the way it works, we basically split it up into day and night, obviously. Um, so which meant I missed, missed all the swimming gold medals, but that's all right. Got to watch it at home. So in my own time and not be stressed about putting the content out. But um, it was a great... It was great fun leading a team um and getting we had a team of uh eight that i was leading and basically they all have their different sports that they're they were keen on so like like going up to a hockey one of the hockey guys um one of the nuffies hockey nuffies in our team would be like hey you get to you get to cover the gold medal match tonight like and seeing like like absolutely like the buzz on his face like oh, i get to cover the hockey and then um we had a guy who was really strong in basketball and got he got to cover the boomers like all the boomers games and the boomers bronze and that, all that sort of stuff. Like one of the other guys was keen on sport climbing. It's like, all right, well go, go, go nuts. Like that sort of stuff. And like just putting people in positions to do what they wanted to do. 
and then basically giving them all the support and be like, look, I'm here. If you need me as a backup, like I'm always here and I'm always doing my work and if you need help, I'll back you up. But putting the trust and the faith in them to to carry through is um and seeing it and seeing it be done well. It's um it's a very different feeling to being on the ground floor day to day. But um I think equally as satisfying, equally as rewarding for sure. Absolutely. Certainly um certainly one on my bucket list, that's for sure. A good time zone too, so we're not going to get that for a while. <laughs> True, maybe Brisbane twenty thirty two. Um, <laughs> yeah. And did you have? Was there a moment like reflecting on what you did at Olympics? Was there was there something that you you enjoyed? I guess more than the others. Uh, well, there were so many good moments. To be honest, um, I think the one that probably stands out to me would be Jess Fox's goal because of because of the bronze like two days beforehand in the in the other event. Because, um, like, obviously, we're all, um, you know, set up to go for that first event, thinking she'd, ah, she's going to win by apes, so or we'll get the gold medal graphics ready and everything. And, and then she, um, and then she had the minor medal. So, and when you're looking at social stuff and you can see how people are getting behind her, um, for the bronze, and then it was just a whole other level for the gold. Um, then you had the interviews with the parents as well and all that sort of stuff and the family. And it's amazing how it's like, like in the Australian sporting landscape, like her sport's such, a minor sport but for that for those sort of three four hours after she won the gold you think it was australia's national sport you know so that that was probably the one that stands out the most just for the reaction and and the journey getting up to the reaction which made it obviously mean so much more um that, was, that one was a lot of fun yeah certainly uh certainly recall that and certainly uh also had that same theory that that she was going to storm home uh in her first event yeah. <laughs> and take it home we're going to switch back to cricket because cricket's cricket and it's about to to hit cricket season and um we've spent a lot of time about talking about you you know working for channel 7 but i know you also spent a few summers working with the melbourne renegades in the big bash league what were i guess what was your role there and and what were some of the highlights working for the gates uh the highlights was that it's definitely a lot more freedom to be a lot more uh, punchy, so to speak, uh, at other clubs. <laughs> um, we uh, we had a we had a rule try to not well I was there anyway to not single out individuals, but if you wanted to have a crack at teams, like go nuts because um, it's a team and you're not necessarily singling out someone as like you know you're no good. It's it's more the general team. So so I worked there. So BBL four, five, and six, and five and six were also WBBL one and two. Um, so getting WBBL off the ground, um, was a lot of fun as well. The first game Renegades played in WBBL was the same night as a BBL practice match in Geelong. So there wasn't enough room to send me down to cover the WBBL game and it wasn't live streamed either. So I was in the Geelong, um, in GMHBA stadium or whatever it was called a few years ago. Um, I was in their press box covering the BBL practice match at the ground while looking at the Cricket Australia scorecard and using that to tweet the WBBL game, the first ever Renegades game. And then we were, I, I can remember it clearly because I had two for 60 chasing like 110-ish. And then, then the scorecard hit the bricks. And I was sitting there like, oh, my God. And you can't bring anyone down there because they're all in the protected area and they can't hit the phones on them. And you're like, the game's on. I have no idea what's happening at all. And then... The, the scorecard comes back on. It's like six for 70 and you're like, Oh no, <laughs> like, what is this? What is this? Um, that one, so that one sticks out. Um, but I think the freedom to be a bit more, a little, a little bit more punchy, which is different from 
how North was and how and how Seven is. Um, not that it, not that either way is you know worse than the other, but it's just different. It kind of rounds out your skill set really nicely. Yeah, I imagine that would have uh, that would have been a very tricky period navigating the scorecard. And one thing that I'm always quite intrigued by is these sporting clubs, both across multiple codes, I guess, cricket and, and AFL particularly, is the way in which the social teams go about accounts between the men's and the women's teams and whether they run it under the same handle or do you create a new handle for the women's team? So what was your strategy at, at the Renegades when um, WBBL came onto the scene? Oh, I didn't actually have much to do with the initial setting up the accounts because the way I worked at the Renegades is basically I kind of parachuted in for a few months and then and then parachuted out and went, went back to North. So when I came, it was uh, originally set up as separates. I actually, when the WBBL was in that December, January, same time as the BBL, I actually thought that was the right way to go because there was a lot of overlap and I, I didn't feel when I was there like I'd be able to do either the men or the women justice if it was on the same account. Like you might have like a, I don't like I say, a feature article on Molly Strano, but you can't post that an hour before a BBL game on the BBL account because everyone just wants to know the toss from the BBL game. But now that it's in its own clear air, and I think you're seeing most of the team accounts have, I think there's only, I think one or two that still run separate WBBL and, and BBL and the rest merge into one. I think merging into one makes much more sense now because you've got clear air for each of them um, and you can give each each team, each player, the the focus that they deserve. So, yes, I think, yeah, the more likely you are to sort of overlap, the more you should have separate accounts. But I believe I might be in the minority on that one. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> makes sense. I mean, there certainly is that case to argue that, you know, you can build a brand around a, a team or a that stable supporter base around a new women's team, but ultimately it's going to be a lot lesser followed too. So there's that argument around, yeah, do you expose the team to more play, more followers through bigger accounts or or create their own? Probably somewhere in the middle, I guess. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like when there wasn't, so like say if we're posting about WBBL on say like a Tuesday afternoon or whatever, or like a Wednesday afternoon, like I'd always try to retweet it from the main account. It's just that when the comps are running at the same time, there was so much overlap that it was. I felt like it was hard to give it give it all the love that it deserves. Makes sense, and you don't want to be confusing supporters on scorecards and <laughs> and you know thinking that they were the, they were the different leagues. Um, I confused myself often enough, so I don't know what everyone else was thinking. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And you've worked across multiple sports. We haven't spoken much about soccer, but you know, you've, you've worked in AFL cricket, soccer, you've covered the Olympics. Do you have a favorite sport that personally is, is your favorite thing to cover? Oh, that's a tricky one. I mean, in, from a strictly social point of view, I enjoy covering cricket the most because I think it's a sport that lends itself well to social. Like you got your wickets, you got your boundaries, um, you got your catches, um, you have your little stat-based things. I think it lends itself really well to socials, whereas maybe it's just a personal thing, but I like, I, I read a lot more for, from AFL and I'll, I'll watch a lot more longer videos. Um, maybe, it, maybe it's just a personal preference rather than anything, but I think from a social point of view, I enjoy working on cricket the most. Um, please don't ask me which sport actually is my favourite because I have no idea. <laughs> Can relate. What is it? It's footy in winter, <laughs> cricket in summer, isn't it? That's That's yeah. the thing that kids say. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Yeah, it hasn't changed since I was about 10. So 
And and since you've swapped over into cricket, I know that you're you're still very active in the in the AFL space. And um, wanted to ask you about the shin boner and and give it a little plug. Can you can you tell the audience <laughs> about that? Oh, I didn't even pay you for this either. Um, yeah. So th- when I was at North, basically, I like to joke that most of my time actually wasn't spent working. It was just spent like following the coaches around and asking them why things happened the way they did, particularly. Um, Josh Drummond has the patience of a saint. He could have told me where to go that many times, but um, he put up with me and and um, and basically answered all my questions. And the same and the same with Brad Scott as well. So when I left North, I basically I was like, "Well, oh, I have all. I'm lucky enough to know all this stuff about how a, te- a team wants to play and and things that like I was privileged enough to sit in a few of the like player reviews, post match reviews, and it's just like a completely different world to what to what I thought." you know, reviews were before I started North. I'm like, I want to use this somewhere and hopefully help people know a bit more about North. Um, so I thought, ah, well, I was doing a blog before I went to North. Let's just do a blog again. So I, I restarted that. And then over the last sort of few years, I've thought, well, there's other stuff I want to write about that's not just North. So it's kind of just slowly branched out into an all of AFL thing and, and people seem to like it. So there's always that weird awkwardness when the first time people hear about it, it's like, there's something about the Western Bulldogs on a place called the Shinbo. No, that doesn't make sense, does it? Um, so there's that kind of weird awkwardness they got to get over. But um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun because, I mean, watching footy, and I'll, be, I'll see things and I'll be like, oh, that reminds me of when I got taught this or when I got taught that. And yeah, and yeah, people seem to like it. So, and then, yeah, the coaching there keeps growing. So hopefully bigger and better in 2022. Watch your space. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Is that something that you, like, do you put pressure on yourself to make sure there's regular content or is it just something that you you pick up as a hobby when you've got the time to do it? Um, It's a bit of both. I mean, like, a lot of it is just what I would normally do anyway, just basically mold it into something that's, or hopefully polished, but <laughs> a little bit more polished than the random notes that I jot in my notes app on my on my phone. Um, so it's not too dissimilar to what I do anyway. I think as we've gone, actually been lucky enough where people be like, Hey, have you looked at this or, or can you look at that? I'd be like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Like people actually suggesting things like they think enough of me to think that I can figure out what's going on here. So I mean, yeah, I I don't put much pressure on me on myself to do that regular content because it's, I mean, it's basically something that I do anyway. Yeah. And, that uh, little anecdote about notes on your phone has sparked a memory now. For the followers that don't know, Ricky and our um, our first guest, Nick Hancock, have something very in common, and is that we are all a part of a an infamous crick, indoor cricket team, uh, the Up Downs. And bef- before <laughs> warm-ups, Ricky, and you've been a little bit tardy at times on a, you know, when there's Monday night footy on and we play Monday nights, I see you in there on your phone. Is that what you're doing, watching the footy and, and taking notes around what's happening? Uh, well, yes, I believe you're referring to one of the games in particular when North are playing West Coast on a Monday night. Um, uh, I might have been. I uh, cannot confirm or deny. Well, what I can confirm is that after the game, after our indoor finished and North were still playing, I have never left an indoor cricket arena so fast in my entire life with my head down because the, t- because the game was playing on the big screen. And I stuck to all the speed limits on the way home, but I still got home very quickly. So we'll put it that way. <laughs> 
Uh, well, the skipper might have to have a word to you about that. Not focused on the game. <laughs> Can't remember how we went, so we'll uh, we'll let that one slide. Um, Ed, two questions to finish off, mate. Back on a on a very serious tone. I want to ask. Yeah, serious. Okay. I want to ask. What advice would you give to to a budding social media? producer or a content professional or, or just someone that's you know looking to get into the industry what what one piece of advice would you give to them uh, just to be flexible i think it's a it's probably a bit cliche but i mean the social media world and like let, let's be honest like the digital media world it just it changes so quickly so like for example like when i was at north like i came in as nominally a digital media coordinator i learned how to run social media on facebook on twitter on instagram all the different skill sets that come with that how to how to read an audience, how to, how to get to know your audience. I wrote articles, did video interviews, thankfully not much on camera because then there would have been no views. Um, taking photos as well during training, learned very basic video editing as well. And then, I mean, you go to, you go to the Renegades and there's a different style of socials as well. And then, you know, you, you go to Channel 7 and it's completely different as well because there's more of a, I guess, a PR aspect of it without sort of overstating it. Um, cause you're looking after a bigger brand, all that sort of stuff. And I feel like I have a decently rounded skill set now that if I can get dropped into almost any situation with the exception of, you know, saying stuff down a camera that I'd be able to handle it. So yeah, if you're flexible, you can take your career in so many different directions, really. Yeah. Flexibility is the key and doing social across different teams and brands. And, you know, if you enter the corporate world, it, it, you know, it changes every time. So it's a really good shout. And speaking about flexibility, you know, we've got to keep our finger on the pulse of, of certain trends that are kind of evolving. I know Instagram in the last month, it feels like they're changing something every day. Um, <laughs> so what do you personally see as an emerging trend? Maybe maybe not so nitty gritty, but what is an emerging trend that, that you're trying to keep on, on top of in the social space? And, you know, what do people need to keep their eye out for? I guess it kind of flows on to what I was just joking about two seconds ago about video and not wanting to be in front of the camera. It's like having that resource who can be in front of the camera. Cause I mean, look, look at TikTok, look at like Instagram with the videos and I know Facebook's changing obviously with all the negative press they've had recently, they seem to be potentially moving towards more of a sort of quicker, snappier, you know, TikTok ish Instagram esque type of deal with posts and stuff. And I think having that, resource who's comfortable in front of a camera is going to be huge it's going to be such a head start on other places i mean obviously that's not something you can just click your fingers and do <laughs> but um i think that's going to give you a massive advantage if you can have that it's obviously some places can like if you're working at a television network for example maybe even channel seven but yeah i think yeah if you can do that then then you're a step ahead of a lot of places yeah couldn't agree more and you see that across industries you know it's not only unique to digital but you know, you've seen the phasing out of the the traditional cameraman or, you know, audio recorder for news networks, yeah. and it's it's literally the presenter recording themselves. Um, mm. Yeah, so that that that's a that's a good shout. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the thing. Like, it doesn't necessarily like you don't have to be a an A plus presenter or something. It's just it's just something different because I mean, I can't imagine media companies on the whole are going to sort of be expand and be extravagant. So. You got to have many hats, as the cliche goes. I think I got that right. Absolutely, <laughs> flexibility high. Well, 
Ricky, you've shared some uh, some pretty awesome insights with us today. I thought I knew you pretty well already, but I certainly learned a lot more. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time and all the best for the the summer ahead. I know the season's already started, but it'll only get bigger with a with an Ashes series. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's a good Ashes series, as good as last summer's Test series. <laughs>